Welcome to another episode of the Horror Dads podcast. Today, we are so thrilled to be joined by our buddy, Michael Siri from the We Love Horror podcast. Michael, welcome to the show, man. Hi, guys. How are you? So good. Long time coming. Thanks Michael, for coming on. I know, we're so yeah. glad to have you on, man. Um, I know that we've been talking about this forever. I know that we were on yours a little bit ago, and we've been having scheduling conflicts, but we are so fucking happy to finally have you on. Yeah. Woo! I'm yeah. excited that you guys wanted me on. Um, I'm yeah. Really excited. It's, it's, it's been a long time coming, like you guys said. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. We had a blast when you guys were on mine last. That was last weekend when, you, when I was on yours, or when you were on mine, right? Yeah, I think so. Or two weeks ago, maybe? Two weeks ago, yeah. maybe. It was a two. Yeah, that was so that was just so much fun. So thank you guys for coming on. And, and then thank you guys for having me on as well. Yeah, of course, man. So we're here to talk about slashers. Uh, we're going to do 15 films. We're each going to cover five. We're going to talk about some of our favorites. We're avoiding the the typical that you think you'd hear, you know, the the Freddies, the the Michaels, the the Jasons. So those are obviously part of our repertoire. Otherwise, we wouldn't be, you know, podcasters in this genre. But uh, we've got some great films we're going to talk about. But before we do that, Michael, you want to introduce your show a little bit? Talk about what you do and how you do it yeah. and where people can find you? Absolutely. Um, so I'm Michael from the We Love Horror Podcast. And uh, my podcast is a weekly horror podcast where I just talk about various horror topics. Uh, sometimes I talk about a movie and I'll have a guest on and we'll just talk about that movie from start to finish. Or we do stuff like this where it's like lists, like top 10, top five lists type of things. Um, so it's just everything and anything horror that you can think of. Um, that's what my podcast is. And, uh, you can find me at the, we love horror podcast on Instagram. Uh, I do have merch as well. Um, I have a TikTok. I have, um, a Twitter that I don't ever use. So, yeah, <laughs> um, but then I do also have a Patreon. So if you want to, uh, be a patron on my Patreon, uh, just check my link out in my description on Instagram or go to patreon.com and just look up. We love horror. You should be able to find it, but yeah, that's me. So yeah, great show. Uh, we thank you. love chatting with you. We love listening to you and you got great content. So thank you again, man, for doing this with us. Do we want to just do the intro stuff involve Michael? Michael, are you good talking about what you've been watching, what you're, uh, what you're wearing, all that stuff? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Cool. Yeah. Jamie, let's start, man. What have you been watching? All right. So, um, all the standard, uh, so this is not going to be released. I don't think this week, but today is 4th of July, the actual day. Um, so I've been watching all of the 4th of July goods, Jaws. I really have just been watching. I know what you did last summer just on repeat. Um, uh, as, as I'm sure you guys have as well, but, um, mm-hmm. I've also been watching, uh, so I found, we talked about goosebumps the other day on an episode. Um, and then I mentioned how I couldn't find, are you afraid of the dark streaming? And it turns out it is streaming on, uh, I think Paramount plus. Oh, really? So I've been yeah. watching, uh, are you afraid of the dark, the old episodes, and then uh, I also watched The Rage, Carrie 2, which I had never seen. I watched that like two nights ago. Uh, pretty How was good. It? Worth checking out. Yeah, absolutely really? worth checking out. It's like, you know, it's not Carrie, uh, but <laughs> it's got a similar. This one is more of like a uh, almost like can't hardly wait or something, but really dark. Uh, it's like a football team has uh, like 
they're making like a list and they have points assigned to different girls. So if guys on the football team sleep with these girls, they get an allotted amount of points and whoever has oh, the most points. This movie. Uh, and so one of the girls commits suicide at the very beginning of the movie and her best friend is kind of on this hunt to find out, you know, why and what happened. In the meantime, she gets kind of caught up in the whole, the whole thing. So uh, at the end, it kind of is similar to the first one. Uh, that's not really a spoiler, but that's kind of what you expect. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was I watched this movie called Off Season, which was from uh, last year, 2021. And the reason this is noteworthy is uh, it's got our girl from uh, House of the Devil in it, Jocelyn, Donahue. whatever her name, Jocelyn Donahue. And it's essentially she goes to this island to sorry, she goes to this island to um, she has to go there to like bury her mother or something in this graveyard or to fix the graveyard up. Um, and it's one of those where as they pull into the island, the gate guy who turns out to be Richard Brake, uh-huh. who as people cross the bridge, he like closes the gate or whatever. And he's like, if you guys aren't back, it's like end of season. And if you aren't back by 7 p.m., like this gate closes and no fairies go out and you're stuck here, you know. <laughs> Good luck. You live here season. now. <laughs> oh <my> yeah. God. <laughs> so it's, it's Jocelyn Donahue. And then it's the guy from... Um, He's the brother from Your Next, uh, the one who's not bad. Oh, so yeah. it's oh. worth checking out for sure. I think you guys would dig it. It's a, it's one of those where you're trying to figure out what's going on in the whole movie. So it's kind of a slow unraveling mystery. And it's got that seaside town that we dig, John. So I think you guys might dig it. Sounds good. It sounds interesting. Anything that she's in, I'm all for. So for yeah, sure. Me too. Yeah, it's I worth like a check out for sure. Me too. What about you, Michael? What have you been watching, man? Uh, well, as Jamie said, I've been watching, also been watching, I know we did last summer today. I, I, as soon as we're done recording this, I'm probably going to go watch the sequel. I enjoy this, the fuck out of the sequel. Like, I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. I know that people say that the, that the sequel is garbage, but I love it. Um, I'm, I, so I'm going to go watch that after this. Uh, I watched the first one right before we were finished or right before we started recording. I just finished it up actually. Um. As far as anything new, I just went and watched The Black Phone a couple of days ago. I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting. Have you guys seen it yet? No. No. Okay, I won't spoil anything then. We've only but heard good things so far. It, it's it's really good. I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I also, I don't know if we talked about this recently, but I went and saw Men when it came out too. Mm. wasn't no. particularly fond of that one. Okay. <laughs> unfortunately i mean i love a24 films every time an a24 movie comes out i'm like the first in line because i'm like okay i love i love their whole weird this movie was just there's a part at the end that just got a little too weird for me and i wasn't i was uncomfortable and in in a really bad way i didn't enjoy it um yeah i feel like their network (laughs) has broadened so much that it's gonna start to bring a lot more stuff in so uh yeah i I feel like that's only that's just a natural byproduct is not everything's gonna be you know, perfect. So, yeah. Yeah. And well, I feel like a lot of people are like, you just didn't like it because you didn't get what the, and I was like, no, I got, I got what he was trying to say. I just, it didn't do anything for me. I left the theater just being like, okay, that, that movie wasn't bad. I just don't ever need to watch it again. Um, (laughs) But um, as far as there is one movie that I wanted to talk about that I'm really excited that it's actually coming up and it won't come out till September, but have you guys seen the trailer for don't worry, darling? No. It, no, has, it has our girl Florence Pugh in it okay. from Midsommar oh, yeah, yeah. and Harry yeah. Styles. Really? Oh. So good. It's directed by Olivia Wilde and I'm a really big Whoa. fan of Olivia Wilde. I think she's a really great director. Um, 
if you guys haven't seen, <laughs> there's a movie that she made called, uh, what is it? Something smart. I don't remember what it is, but uh, book smart. Have you guys heard or seen your book smart? No. Nope. Oh, it's such no. a good movie. But um, yeah, she directed that and she's directing this movie. And uh, I, yeah, I've been, I watched the trailer pretty recently. So that's something else I watched. I'm really excited for that movie. So you guys should nice. check it out. I'll send you like a link to it when we're done recording. You guys can look Perfect. at it. Perfect. Yeah. So, Definitely check that out. That's about it for me. So, oh, and I've been watching a lot of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard stuff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I wrapped up uh Stranger Things. So yeah, nice. You know, that just finished here on Friday, I guess. Uh the release was so stayed up way too late. Do you watch have you have you watched that, Michael? <laughs> I actually it's crazy, but I haven't even finished the first season yet. Okay. What? So I, we know, won't I know. Much, yeah. All right. And you would think me being like a huge horror fan that I am, I would love it. And it's not that I don't love it. I don't know. I just started it and then just would get into other things and then just wouldn't finish it. So I'm going to, I'm just going to commit to it one day. I'm just going to sit down and start the whole show over and just get through like at least the first season. So I can at least say I watched the first season, then we'll, we'll move on to the next season. Assess from there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I hate to, I don't even like to do that thing anymore where it's like, what you need to watch? Because it's like, I know a lot of people get turned off. Like I, I know a lot, like John even was like this game of Thrones where he was like, I'm just not going to watch it now because people won't leave me alone about it. I haven't watched it. Now I don't even want to watch it. I'm pissed about it. Um, Bring it up again. I don't want to do that to people. Yeah. People get real. My neighbor actually, uh, his wife the other day was like, "Hey, uh, you need to watch Stranger Things." He like went off on this tangent, like, <laughs> um, "I'm so sick of people telling me I should watch this movie or this show. Like, I don't even want to watch it anymore." Uh, so yeah, I know how that goes. But yeah, yeah no, you need to watch it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch it. I cried a lot. It's great. Uh, been very emotional and sentimental about it. So. Great All show. I know yeah. is that if they kill Steve off, I'm not going to be happy. I haven't even watched the show and I already like Steve, but that might be for a different reason. Well, okay. So I, I might a... just be attracted to Steve. I don't know anything about Steve. All I know is that he's, he's a very good looking man. So. so here's the deal. He's got killer hair. First and foremost, yeah, he, does. he is handsome as hell. And secondly, his character development in arc is the best in the show. And I had a uh a pact with my sister uh who's jamie's wife related to steve and related to a tattoo of steve if something happened in the series so um that the result of that remains to be seen based (laughs) off of certain things and we're not going to ruin or spoil anything but yeah that came up so steve is the shit gotcha anything Uh, else you've been watching john or is that it yeah, and also just the Fourth of July stuff that we've all been doing. Yeah, just digging deep in that and enjoying that. Watched uh, Jaws For this sure. morning again with the kids running around. So yeah, amazing. Do we want to talk about what we're wearing, Jamie? I see you. You've got uh, something festive on over there. Yeah, so I have the. Uh, this is like the one time of the year <gasps> that I have to wear it. This is my. Uh, I know what you did last summer. Uh, Cavity colors tee. It's essentially just you know uh ben willis with like some hook slashes through the shirt uh, it's all red white and blue and then there's a letter on there that says i know what you did last summer uh this is that. one of those tees that is just how can you not buy it you know like right. when i saw it i was like i have to get this that's, it went that. on sale i actually waited until it went on sale but that's the uh 
you fucked me um t-shirt jamie because, <laughs> yeah they didn't have your size available like when it went on sale it didn't have john's size and i was like we were to sitting together and he heard me sigh yeah. i was like ah oh, dude i wanted this shirt and he was like which one and I, I showed him i was like it's just not my size it's not in a large and he was like oh that sucks and i saw him on his phone like <laughs> oh, we're medium. So he's like, "Oh, yeah. that's too bad. Let me get it for myself here." Do they have any mediums by chance? Oh yeah, let me just snag that real quick. I love that, uh, Michael. You got anything horror related on there, man? I, I, we didn't, I am actually we didn't... not wearing anything horror related. It was the one day that my horror related stuff is in the wash right now. So all uh... my, I was actually wearing my ghost face shirt yesterday, and um today i was thinking about wearing it but i was like Fuck, it's still in the washer right now um but it glows in the dark too oh nice it's really cool where'd you pick that up yeah um i think it was either spencer's or hot topic oh nice i'm trying to because they because spencer it was spencer's because spencer sells a lot of like horror related stuff so i went to spencer's and got that and i love it i'll have to show it to you guys nice. but yeah our friends at yeah. uh i also have a glow in the dark uh ghost face shirt but it's from cavity colors <laughs> I can uh, I can hurry and write um, something on this shirt that says justice for Helen Shivers, though. <laughs> Perfect. There you there go. You go. <laughs> All you need. Do I lo- actually, I love that. Incredibly relevant. <laughs> yes. Justice for Helen. Yeah, she's the underrated final girl. It should have been you, Julie, not Helen. <laughs> so oh, man. our friends at Toxic Coffin actually have a design on sale at Spencer's. A justice oh, yeah, for Helen Shivers? Yeah. It's not. No. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not. But speaking of, of Spencer's and Hot Topic, yeah, they do. And, oh, my shirt I have on is actually a Toxic Coffin shirt. It's this Peter Vincent one. Um, so it's a Peter Vincent Vampire Slayer shirt. I absolutely Ooh. love this one. And it's it's got that, like, really, like, kind of old-style um, yeah. vibe to it. And those guys are just amazing. So cool. I love that. Yep. Yeah. Um, sorry guys i missed the memo today well we didn't really <laughs> all good buddy we didn't prompt you we were just like hey you want to do the intro with us here here we go <laughs> you're in the intro yes what's up jamie family stuff you want to hit on anything specific yeah nothing super uh we've been doing a lot of uh fourth of july stuff together uh but we watched so i guess the family antic essentially would be stranger things uh the final two episodes came out friday our oldest son watched it with us and so episode eight is an hour and a half long. Episode nine is two and a half hours. And uh, Fridays are always really bad for me I'm trying to stay up late because I get up early for work. Um, so like the we watched the first one. It ended at like 11. And I was like, well, I'll probably head up to bed. And then my oldest son, who's eight, was like, we're going right to the next one. And I was like, well, I can't. I can't wuss out now. Like I have to. Yeah. Uh, and I, I started kind of like losing. I started losing it almost like the eyes were getting heavy, like halfway through. And then something happened where like, I made it all the way through. And then like my son, he was talking about like crying at certain parts and he's like, Oh God, I can't believe I cried at that part, you know? And like feeling bad that he was crying. And, uh, when I say crying, just like, you know, getting emotional tears coming down, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was really fun watching that with him. And, um, (laughs) it was just a good time. Nice. I called you the next morning and told you about all the times I cried, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is quite a few. Actually, oh no, am I am I in for something that's gonna like dude, emotionally not even, damage me? So let me let's just say this. So Jamie and I, I, I feel like I've kind of always been this way, but it really amplified after I had kids. So 
anytime there's something emotionally overwhelming, even if it's like positive, I get yeah. choked up. Like I'll, if it's like uh, an intense scene of affection or like rekindling of emotion or someone expressing love, like I don't know what happens, but like if I really care about yeah. the characters, I get super emotional about it. So that's sure. really why I cried, I think, so many times the last <laughs> two episodes. And that's actually my antic is I did the same thing. So I stayed up Friday night somewhat late and I started later than you guys did. So I like I, I hit a wall. I was like, All right, I just got to go to bed. Like, I got to be a parent in the morning. I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. So the next morning, my wife was working and I was in the kitchen making heart shaped uh, pancakes for the kids, finishing <laughs> Stranger Things. <laughs> and. Finley, my oldest, walks in, and I was, like, getting choked up during a scene, like, flipping pancakes, and she walks in, and she's like, Dad, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. It's fine. What? Nothing. Don't worry about it. I'm good. Yeah. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, they, they uh, totally busted me crying, and then she got super into, like, asking me questions about it, so I think she she's kind of a, a weenie when it comes to scary stuff, so she's yeah. asking me, like, hey, can I start the, the series now? So I think I'm going to... Start doing that with her, hopefully. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. Good like bonding it. experience. Yeah. So definitely. Michael, I know you don't have any kids, but you have uh, nieces and nephews, yeah? Do you see them often? No. Um uh, <coughs> not as much as I would like to. Yeah. Uh most of my family lives either in Nevada or Kansas. So uh I have some family here, but none that I really talk to that much. So yeah. 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 All good. Unfortunately not. <laughs> So, couple plugs. We've got. Uh, wait, wait, wait! Real quick, John, yeah. what have you been buying? Anything? Oh, I didn't buy anything, but I did receive yeah. a really nice gift uh, from somebody from a, a patron of ours, another patron of ours. Oh. So, uh, Peter Sudol, a patron and friend of ours, uh, called me out of the blue last week, and he had this gentleman on who I'm not going to divulge the name of because it might become an episode, but. Uh, this dude who's very involved in the Maximum Overdrive space, the film directed by Stephen King. And uh, he and I talked for a while and he was like, do you have the Blu-ray? And I said, no, I don't. I have the DVD. And he's like, oh, I'm going to send you the Blu-ray. So he actually sent me the soup, souped up Blu-ray version of Maximum Overdrive. It just came in the mail yesterday. So I can't wait to uh, pop that in and, and watch it. It came from Amazon. So nice. Yeah, I love that. Movie. Awesome. I know you do, too, Jamie. Hmm. Love, love, love. Yeah. Uh, Mike, have you bought anything recently? I know you're a big horror, uh, horror vinyl guy. That's a, a, It's funny that you say that because that's what I was trying to pull out. It, I had my computer underneath it. It's kind of like a little base that I have right now. I finally got this in the mail. Oh, dude. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that's one so of the first pretty. horror vinyls I ever bought, Mike. Love it. What's, yeah. the, uh, what's the vinyl itself? Which one did you get? So it's the trick or treat vinyl uh, for those the... that are, are listening. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Hold on. Uh oh. Spill a drink? I know. I'm just trying to find a place to put okay. all this. This is what it looks like. Oh, dude. Whoa. Nice, yeah. dude. So we've got half orange, half black. It's the splatter. That's the waxwork, uh, waxwork records uh, trick or treat release. Jamie, mm. you. They always you said have that the best first, shit. Right? I swear. The best. That was your first vinyl you bought, James? It was one of my first horror vinyls. I think one of the Fridays was probably... Actually, that might have very well been my first. Yeah. Yeah, I ordered this I ordered this vinyl back in, I think, October, and it finally came. 
nice. Yeah, the pre-orders <laughs> take a while. I, yeah. I remember getting that when it very first came out. and uh, But they've done a lot of re-releases since. And it makes me almost wish I didn't buy it when I did because I was stuck with the only vinyl that was left, which was like, I think it was black and orange mixture of some sort. There's no splatter. But they've come out with some really cool ones since. I, I really wanted those picture yeah. vinyls, but those are just super hard to come by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I but, I just love vinyl so much. Yeah, oh, man. Us too, man. Same with yeah. us, yeah. Uh, but I bought, actually just bought today, uh, a movie that I've never heard of, which is pretty rare. I mean, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. It's called Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. I guess it's sort of like a Phantom of the Opera uh modernized with a mall setting so like i'm all in on that it's like cheesy 80s uh pre-famous paulie shore is in there uh, and i've never seen it so like i'm all in i bought the arrow video this is insane Yeah. (laughs) yeah so i bought the arrow video uh copy or the release it was like 20 bucks on amazon uh but you know, it's got a bunch of good fucking bonus features. And so I'm pretty excited to get that. Oh, dude. And that is cool. Arrow doesn't mess around. If it comes out, like it's going to be <laughs> no. top notch, you know? Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Super exciting. It's like we all got some new stuff what? this week. Yeah. Yeah. And I know John's excited about that Phantom of the uh, Mall because he knows that he gets <laughs> to borrow it and watch it as oh, well. Dude. I'm, I might come over after this. Stay up till two again. There you go. You fall asleep right next to me. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. So we don't. All right, any, John. What's our plugs, buddy? Yeah, we got new. Uh, we don't have any uh, new new patrons to welcome, which is fine. But if you do want to join our Patreon, we also have a Patreon, as is Michael. So you can check us out on Patreon.com/slash/HorrorDads, and we've got a five dollar tier, a ten dollar tier. We have a bunch of bonus content on there. So if you like the show, you can. I mean, I was like looking at the number of episodes that are available for like immediate access, <laughs> Jamie. So like if you like the show and you are caught up and it's like, hey, I wish I had more, you can get basically like 40 more episodes today. Yeah. Uh, so yep. we've got a yep. bunch of stuff stacked on there, which is great. And so does Michael, which is also great. It's well worth the price because I, I, I'm I'm a patron to you guys. So yeah, I get I listen that, to man. all the bonus stuff and there's a lot of there's a lot of bonus goodness in there for you guys to listen to so yeah yeah thank you buddy you're welcome we've also got a merch uh shop so if you want to pick <clears> something up you can head to horrordads.com we do have all that pre-printed and ready to roll so we ship it with love and care from our homes our kids help us pack everything up so happy to get that in the mail for you um so please head over to horrordads.com and then we're also on social media Pretty much everywhere at Horror Dads, but Instagram really is our primary uh, mode of communication. Yeah. But with that being said, do you guys want to get uh, slashed? You guys want to get um, sliced and diced? Yeah, I'm trying to think of all the. Fucking... <laughs> me, I, I came with slashed. Michael had sliced and diced. You got anything? No. All right, let's get slashing. Woo. There he goes. Look at him smiling after he said it. All right. So let's. All right. So Michael's our guest. Yeah. I feel like we should have him go first. Right. Ron Robin style. Yep. 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 What we're doing here is just our favorite uh, slashers, uh, slashers, serial killers, whatever, uh, that aren't the the automatic ones that you would pick. Do you want to define? Let's, should we define slasher film? So slasher film, it's a, it's a subgenre. It's like a genre of horror. But it, it always involves like a killer 
stalking and murdering a group of people. So, and typically this is like by some sort of like tool or mechanism, a knife, machete, pickaxe, whatever it might be. Um, but it's, uh, I, I would say the inception of this term came from the early 60s. And there are early influences like Peeping Tom and some other Jello films that kind of like kick things off. But uh, yeah, it was like late 70s to mid 80s was like the the time that most of this hit, you know. So I think we're going to talk about a lot of films in that time time range, but some, some uh, more recent ones too. So we're going to avoid, I think, <laughs> as we said, the obvious ones. So we'll hit some honorable mentions, but... We intentionally avoided things like the Friday Thirteenth uh, franchise, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, just because those are the like obvious, most iconic ones. So uh, we're gonna dip into some others. My picks are like a little bit out of the box because some of them I don't know if people would consider them the films themselves slasher films, but I feel like they're still considered like horror villain like slasher villains in my opinion because they're killing multiple people in these movies so that's that's where my criteria (laughs) that's where my criteria went from but um my number five is going to be pearl from x i need to be famous wayne all the best people are there ain't nobody else out there like you you know why why because you got that x factor our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we go. And uh great pick, man. I I I really like Pearl. I went back and forth on where I wanted to put her on this list. She's number five mostly because she would have been higher if it hadn't been for the motive of why she did what she did. It's basically just because she's sexually frustrated and can't get it up. So she's basically killing these people out of frustration, which I don't think is the greatest motive but what i like about pearl is that like she uses her old frail um you know her old age to her advantage her and howard both do they get like because you watch this movie and they're like how the hell are these two 90 year old people going to overpower these like 20 30 something they end up being able to like pick them off all one by one and the way she does it is very smart like she gets them alone she separates them she uses her you know as i said her old age to her advantage um i'm specifically thinking of the scene where um with britney snow's character where she's out on the dock and she sits there for a moment and pretends like she is cold and doesn't know where she's at and then as soon as like she has the upper hand she flips it and basically is just like this crazy fucking bitch and i just i i love it i think she's brutal i think she's I think she's pretty scary for the most part too. Like there's some scenes with her where I'm just like, Ooh, like it, it gives me chills. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I think she's great. I think, um, like I said, her motive is a little weak, but also um, at the same time, I, she's like one of the only horror villains that I sympathize with. Like I remember the first time I watched X and I was like, wow, I, I kind of feel bad for her in a sense. Like, cause X kind of goes on this um, journey about what it's like to get, older and no longer be able to do some of the things you once were able to do when you were younger. And that's kind of um, uh, juxtaposed with these like younger, beautiful people that are coming to this farm to, to film this adult movie. And you get like this really good dynamic with 
the the older couple and these two and these young um you know these young filmmakers and i really love how you're able to kind of almost sympathize with her in certain parts um and that's just a unique i feel like that's a unique um touch to pearl's character that we don't really get with a whole lot of slashers you don't really get a whole lot of slashers that you're like oh i kind of feel sorry for them um so i think that was one of the biggest reasons why i picked her is because i just really i think she's brutal i think she's clever with the way that she gets her victims alone um and just the fact that like she has some vulnerability in some parts where you do sympathize with her a little bit. So that's, yeah, that's going to be my number five is Pearl from X. Yeah, dude. Great pick. Great character. Great movie. And yeah, there's such a, an art to the kind of like the way she exploits her vulnerability. I I think you really sum that up super well, especially during the uh, Britney snow scene, which is such a impact, uh, impactful and great scene. But uh, yeah, that's great. That's a great pick. Jamie, you, you like this movie a lot too, right, buddy? Yeah, I love that movie. Um, we rented it for 20 bucks. I watched it twice. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. We love Ty West, so. Yeah. Ty West is great. Yeah. Yeah. Super so, underrated. <clears throat> totally agree. Man. Totally agree. All right, Jamie, you want to go next? You want me to go next? Yeah. What is, man? So I'll go next. All right, so my number five is going to be a movie. Uh, it's pretty under the radar. It's a movie called Stage Fright. from 1987 the killer is uh the name of the killer is irving wallace uh he wears a owl mask which is pretty uh inventive and creative you don't see that very much uh so the premise of this movie was uh, a theater troupe working on a play uh, or a musical production they pretty much lock themselves in the studio all night they're like we need to get this fucking worked out uh, we need to get all the kinks ironed out. So we're going to lock ourselves in this uh, studio, which is a terrible idea. Um, and unbeknownst to us, there's a killer on the loose who escaped from mental asylum, uh, who comes in and finds the the whole owl costume, puts it on, starts killing people. Um, there already was an owl costume in this movie, so people aren't totally alarmed when they see the owl coming. You know what I mean? Until they realize that uh, the person who's supposed to be in that owl, if the owl outfit is not in there, it's instead an escaped uh, mental patient who's killing everybody. And the kills are super inventive. Uh, it's really scary, the the mask itself. This is an Italian horror film, but it's not really a giallo, I don't believe. It's just uh, Italian slasher. And it came out in 1987, directed by um, Michael Suave. probably saying that wrong. But uh, this is a really great movie if you guys haven't seen it. And the kills are just so good. It's so, like, there's times you want to laugh and wince at the same time, which uh, is always one of my favorite uh, things. One of my favorite emotions is that, like, laugh, wince. Yeah. I feel like that happens a lot during Italian horror. Because you're just like, what's happening here? How am I supposed (laughs) to feel? (laughs) Have you guys ever seen Stage Fright? I actually... That movie has been on my radar for so long. Um, 
but I have not watched it yet. But the premise of it alone sounds just so fucking cool, like so interesting, especially for a slasher film. Like, I, I love the idea. Um, and did they correct me if I'm wrong? Did they make a remake of that recently? I don't in know. The past like ten years or so, I feel like they made a another film called Stage Fright, and I don't know if it was like a remake to the to that one, but I feel like it had the same premise almost. Or it was like people that were yeah. doing like a stage play thing were getting picked off one by one, but it could be a different name. I don't know. Oh. But yeah, I would love to watch that. I, I have seen that, Jamie. And that's a great pick, man. The mask is super unique because um, it's it's like a, I guess an owl is a predator, <laughs> predator I suppose, in certain yeah. respects. And uh, just quietly like not a in-your-face kind of selection. You know, it's like not unbelievably scary looking but you look at it and you're like oh that's pretty pretty disturbing and i feel really uneasy about this whole thing and for sure yeah Yeah, it's funny because it's one of those where it's all about your perspective like once it's when it's just part of the production uh it's not scary but once irving wallace takes it over and starts killing people it's terrifying yeah uh and that's what i love about it yeah because it's like taking something innocent like an owl mask and making it fucking creepy Exactly. Dude, 100%. Yep. Like, you don't go get a tattoo. It's like, yeah, just give me an owl with, like, a <laughs> snake wrapping around it, right? It's like, give me yeah. a fucking skull, like, something real mean, right? And Make it yeah. edgy. Yeah. <laughs> and just to clarify, when I say owl mask, I don't just mean, like, you know, a, a rubber band strap with a plastic, like, owl mask. Uh, this is, like, a full fucking headdress of, like, like it's an a headpiece, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm, yep. I'm most certainly going with a comparable kind of uh film uh that you can't can't look too close at it but um 1984 going to a film by buddy cooper and john douglas called the mutilator what do you say four days of r and r at the beach i'm in she's in i'm in I got a bad feeling about this. Also known as a full break. Right, Jamie? (laughs) Dude, one of my favorites. This this was going to be on my list, too, if it wasn't on yours. So Uh, great pick. I love it. Full break. That intro (laughs) sequence. uh, It's like watching step by step. Uh, because so this great. like absurd song is happening, and you're like, "What does this have to do with the film?" And then you find out later that that was the, actually the original working title, and something happened yep. where it wasn't mean enough, I guess. So they went with the, the mutilator. So, yeah, this film is uh, like I said, 1984, about a college student who pretty much killed their mom as a child on an accident, and decides to take his friends to his father's fishing cabin during. A fall break. Also, they're not knowing that the uh, father is pretty unhinged, like really unhinged and is everywhere. So I felt compelled to pick this film for a couple of reasons. One is like thinking of the slasher definition, like this is truly a slasher. But Jamie, I feel like you and I have a very sentimental attachment to this film because we went through a phase where before we started podcasting, we would do this thing where we would you know, like do blind Blu-ray purchases, right? And say like, hey, we haven't seen this movie. It looks like it's kind of cool. I'm just going to spend 35 bucks on a nice like Arrow release of a film, right? 
So we would kind of get together at family gatherings and bully each other into doing that. Like, okay, yeah, I did it. You're up. Like, what's your movie you're going to buy? So this was one of those. Uh, and I remember the night we went to Pittsburgh in a snowstorm to buy beer at... Uh, um, Brew Gentleman. Yeah, Brew Gentleman. We came home uh, with a couple growlers of beer. We popped this thing in. Fall, that song started happening. Like, we were fucking high-fiving. We are hugging. We're drinking this delicious beer, and we're just having a fantastic time. And uh, that was... Dude, that was like probably 10 years ago, which is insane. But that is insane. Yeah. This movie did not disappoint because it it hit all of what we enjoy about films. It has the friend group. It has a ridiculous amount of kills. And the character that we're talking about here is played by uh, uh, Jack Chatham. And he, like I mentioned, is the, the father. So he's Big Ed. So Ed Jr.'s in the film. Uh, played by Matt Mittler, and then Jack Chatham's uh, Big Ed. So Big Ed uses... Don't think that there's one tool in the toolbox that's not used in this film. What What is the tagline? Yeah. Isn't it like by, by axe, by pick, by buy, or some shit? Uh, by yeah. sword, by pick, yeah, yeah. by axe, by buy. Yeah. So every weapon imaginable is utilized here. This is a true, true uh, use of a slasher. Like if you think of like a bladed item being used to... <laughs> off somebody like it's done in this movie uh the kills are super gnarly the environment's really fun it's not serious at all uh you've got that one goof ass who looks like the dude from the stuff um who's like also ridiculous like this it's absurd i I think they buy one six pack of beer for like the whole weekend for like seven of them too and they're all walking around like they're hammered so yeah this movie's insane yeah, it's fun. It's a whole lot of fun. So it's a fun one. I love this movie. Yeah, no, fun is the right word for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a great movie, um, but <laughs> people like us, we love it and we find it to be great. But like, if you're a critic and you don't love necessarily '80s slashers, then you might think it's a shitty movie. But I fucking love this movie. Um, I love Big Ed, and uh, I love how they kind of spell out how everybody's going to be killed right away. The intro scene, that scene where the kid kills his mother is just one of the most ridiculous scenes I've ever fucking seen. Like the note, like the dad's oh, so man, mad for your too, birthday. Like, Clean your guns for your birthday, dad. Ugh. So mad. Michael, uh, you're number four, man. Yes. And everyone that's listening to this episode is totally going to tell that I'm like a baby, but <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm a two thousands baby because literally all these, all these picks I don't have any picks from like the 80s or the 70s um, or the 90s. All my picks are from like the ter- the 2000s or like the 2010s. So sorry. Jamie, I own the <laughs> shit is what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, my number four is not one that I feel like people would typically uh, think of as like a slasher. But I'm going with the entity from It Follows. I used to daydream about being old enough to go on dates. I had this image of myself holding hands with a really cute guy driving along some pretty road. It's never about going anywhere, really. It's having some sort of freedom, I guess. <laughs> Jay, you awake? What are you doing? You're not going to believe me, and I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing, it's going to follow you. Somebody gave it to me. 
and I passed it to you. From 2014 is when mm. It Follows came out, I believe. Sometimes it says 2014, 15. I don't really know. I think it's 14, but... Um, Such a good thing, dude. I picked this one because it's not... Like I said, it's not your typical slasher villain. I wouldn't even call It Follows really a slasher movie, but under the criteria of it kills multiple people, you know, it goes from one person to the next, kind of. Um, that's what I classify i think it's a really um underrated slasher villain um mostly because it can take the form of anything or anyone yeah um, as he says in the film it can take some the uh the form of someone you know or someone that you don't even know and some of the forms that it takes are terrifying and i think we all know what scene i'm talking about when i the uh when i'm saying terrifying because there's the one scene in that movie with the tall man and for people that haven't seen that movie i won't spoil anything else from that but it is terrifying. Um, and I think it's really, it, it, it's kind of like a basic slasher villain. It walks very slowly. So you've got that. <laughs> um, it's very unrelenting. Like it doesn't stop. I think that's the scariest thing about it is that it's always going to come after you no matter what, unless you pass it on to somebody else, which I think is a really interesting, um, I guess metaphor for an STD kind of that's what this movie is basically fa- about. Is honestly, that they- <laughs> it's so fascinating the 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 yeah. dynamic of it because it challenges you as the person to think like, okay, like you have a responsibility in this. Like you either pass the baton without saying anything, or you inform the person and pass the baton. Like the metaphor is deep, and it, it's there's so many so many fucking layers to it. It's it's yeah. wild, but yeah, this, this is a great film. Sorry, I. <laughs> You're good. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just I feel pretty revved up by this movie. I love this. I think it's great. Like I could, <laughs> I've done a couple of episodes on it. Follows. I did one on my episode, and then I was on the uh, the horror bandwagons uh, podcast like a month or so back, and we did it. Follows. So I could talk about that movie all day, but I won't <laughs> for the sake of the episode. <laughs> but it is. I think it is a really. It's a great movie, and it also has a really great underrated uh, villain as well. I think. Um the entity from it follows is scary. It's smart. Like it, it's, it's your typical slasher villain, except it's not, it has, it puts a twist on it. Um, Cause it's not just one person like walking around slowly in a mask. It can be anybody. And I think that's, yep. what's the most terrifying thing about it is that it can change its form at any time. So you have no idea if it's coming up to you as like a random person or coming up to you as like a family member or a friend. And I just think, I think that's what makes it so unique to me um, as far as a slasher villain goes. And we don't see a whole lot of like it's methods of killing people, but we do see how brutal it can be because we get that opening scene with um, the very opening scene uh, when she's on the beach and it cuts to that scene the next day and her fucking leg is just cracked yeah. backwards. Yeah. Um, so we do get like some sort of, um, I guess, idea of what this thing is capable of doing. Um, and so I think, I just think that's what makes it so terrifying and why it's on my list is, uh, for all those reasons. So yeah, the entity from it follows is my number four. Dude. Great pick. Thank you. Great one, man. Uh, that's one of those movies too, where like, if you honestly, of this entire list, if you ask me which uh killer i'd be most afraid of it would probably be that one because like yeah i can't imagine looking at like a whole group or crowd of people 
and not knowing knowing that one of those people is probably going to be coming for you but having no idea which one you know oh, dude, that makes it yeah. so fucking scary big ed you yeah. could put like a bratwurst and a bear trap down or some shit and like catch it you know what i mean <laughs> like the entity from it yeah. follows like no way like you're not getting yeah, out of no. there if it wants you you're nope. done jamie where are you heading for number four man and so my number four doesn't really have too much social commentary i don't believe uh, but mine is the Cupid or the Cherub from the movie Valentine. He loves me. Spend this Valentine's Day. He loves me not. With someone you love. He loves me. Someone you trust. He loves me not. And someone you know. He loves me. Won't try to kill you. <laughs> Remember the kid everybody ignored on Valentine's Day? Loser. Well, he remembers you. That's a great pick. This is from great mask. 2001. This is one of my favorite, like, more recent um, slasher killers. I love the fucking mask. Um, I love the bleeding nose through the mask, <laughs> uh, which really doesn't line up, but is also just so like kind of scary and freaky and there's a tube uh, that, inside the mask that comes like right yeah, to the nose yeah, hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love I love all the kills in this movie so much uh, like that opening scene um, is oh, amazing with dude. Catherine Heigl oh, it's one so of my good. favorite like yeah, just so like that whole like Body there's bags. nothing more scarier honestly than like a morgue setting um, yeah. and I know that it's a scholastic setting but it's supposed to be like a simulated morgue and it's just so scary um, yeah. and then the scene like that whole scene that body bag scene when she's hiding the body bags like it's just one of the best scenes to me in general in a slasher movie so um, I just love him I love the we know that it's uh, Jeremy Melton we just don't know who is Jeremy Melton at this point uh, yeah. We see at the beginning of the movie, Jeremy Melton being um, he's at a school dance and asking all these, you know, uh, pretty girls to dance. And they're all just kind of making fun of him, turning him down. And those are the girls that we see getting picked off later in the movie. And uh, it's one of those movies where you're almost rooting for the killer. You know, you kind of feel bad for him. Like you kind of see where he's coming from. What a, dude, and the honestly. girls are all like shitty. Like they're just like they're they don't have many redeeming qualities except maybe Kate. Uh, they're all just kind of. Uh, you're almost rooting for some of them to die, which is rude to say, but it just kind of is what it is. Um, yeah. But it's still a friend group that you kind of root for and you like. You, you know, like even though they're kind of shitty, like you're st you still find yourself uh, immersed in that friend group. But yeah, no, I love this guy. I love. Uh, I guess you could call him the Cupid Cherub, whatever you want, Jeremy Melton. So that's my pick. That's a great pick. I think because I think of a lot of the masks in the slasher genre. I think that one is one of the scariest ones. I don't know why there's just something when you see scenes with him wearing it, it just looks so fucking creepy like that mask. Yep. Cause it reminds me of those um, like Nixon masks that people wear for Halloween. Like the ones from the, pur like yeah. the ones from the purge. That's what that mask reminds me of. Like if somebody was to wear that mask in the purge, like it would just be scared. Like it just, it's a scary mask. And like you were saying, I really like the, his, um, the different ways that he kills people in this movie too. Like it's so inventive. I think my favorite yeah. one is either the page kill or the one at the um, art exhibit where he uses the, the bow and arrow, the cross, the bow and arrow yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. fucking cool. So like, good. Yeah. Such a good, such a good pick. Uh, that's actually my yeah. honorable mention. So, Oh, 
I love the set pieces in this movie. Like, <clears throat> like you were mentioning the art show, like that fucking all those TVs set up in kind of a maze, and you have that Deftone yeah. song going. Like, oh, oh man, God, that Deftone song. I, I just love this movie. <laughs> I'll do push-ups right now thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> man, I love this movie. And this is one of those where I know we're all seasonal watchers of movies. So like, when Valentine's Day, like when February hits, yeah. I just watch. It's either My Bloody Valentine, one of the two remakes, or this one just nonstop, you know? I'm just like yep. waiting. It's like, oh, it's January 31st, like staying up till midnight. Yeah. Let's do The this. only thing that's ever bothered... funny. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mike. I was just real quick. I had a funny antic about it's this movie. Dead. So I had actually never seen it when it came out. And then, like, four years ago, five years ago, maybe, I, uh, bought it on blu-ray because i always kind of wrote it off back in 01 when it came out i wrote it off like eh, another bullshit you know yeah uh, cheesy fucking slasher but anyway so i bought the scream factory blu-ray like i got it in the mail couldn't wait to watch it i got really stoned went downstairs set it down somewhere and then couldn't find it for like a year i was like i i have no idea where this movie went i can't buy it again like Turns out it was like under something that I had, like my Blu-ray player was set on like this tray. And it turns out that oh. I had set the Blu-ray under this fucking tray for some reason and then just could not find it because of a weird spot. And uh, I was like cleaning, doing a deep clean one year and I like found it under this tray and I was like, I cannot. But it was like July when I found it. So I couldn't watch it. You know, I had to wait oh. another six months. It's January 28th. I better do my deep clean. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Look what I found. <laughs> I was not that lucky. Oh, man. I think the only thing that I find kind of funny about this killer is like, I love how he never goes after any of the kids that beat the shit out of him at that school dance. But for some reason, he goes after all these girls just because yeah. they denied Dude. him at a school dance. It's like, what the fuck? Like, totally. why aren't you going after the guys that literally kicked the shit out of you during this fucking pro like during this Valentine's Day dance? But you're going to go after girls that just Seriously. were like, no, no. Like, Jeremy, 100 percent. I like to over here. So fucking uh, dead. I like CEO, to assume he already yeah. killed them. Yeah, go kick yeah. that guy's ass. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's one thing that's one thing i've never understood it's like okay <laughs> totally agree i do like yeah. the the whole dynamic of like knowing who the killer is but not knowing which character yes. is that killer that jeremy Mullen yeah thing. so that's a a cool cool dynamic but yeah Dude, jamie i i did not write this off as a kid like i bought right in i was so this is what 2001 mm-hmm. so oh, one yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, 14, 15 years old. So this was like perfect uh, time for me. I was probably a freshman in high school or an eighth grade or whatever. And yeah, hit it just the right time. So all well, ways. I was at a time that was a time in my life when I did not really have friends that liked horror. Um, I, I was in the military actually during this time. And the only real influence I had was word of mouth. You know, Internet wasn't a thing really yeah. at the time. Like you had it, but uh, we didn't have phones where we had Internet that, you know, imdb at the yeah. touch of a button so my i went off word of mouth and i remember everyone telling me this movie sucked same with halloween h2 i remember people went and told me it sucked whoever was telling me this was a friend i shouldn't have had uh so if i could go back in time i would erase this guy from even my friend group uh but yeah no this is one i missed out on and u.s military really, really needs to look at their because... training programs i think you know like they're not doing the right thing yeah you, they need to add <laughs> horror horror movies into the uh the syllabus to the agenda yes <laughs> yeah all right so my number what am i for here yes 
All right. So my number four, I'm going to go kind of in line with your pick here, Michael. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go down the route of not necessarily tangible, but this is a more tangible than yours, I guess. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go with the 1990 TV miniseries of <gasps> It. Where are you guys anyway? We're sort of a club. Yeah, the Losers Club. You want in? Yeah, I do. Hey, we're seven now. Lucky seven. Pennywise. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Pennywise. Pennywise the Dancing Clown. So part of the reason I picked this film, I think, is because I uh, I started reading through the book again this week. Um, I've read it a few times. I, I love this miniseries. I, I remember growing up as a kid, renting it at the video store. It came in like four, uh, four stacked VHSs, right? Yeah. And uh, my aunt was really into Stephen King, got me into Stephen King, and she's like the one who introduced me to this story. And uh, this one just had such a profound impact on me. Um, but it takes place in 1960 to start. And you've got, you know, your seven kind of like outcast teen characters that are looking to fight this demon uh, who poses as a child killing clown, but also assumes a bunch of different identities. And then they reunite. What is it like 30 years later uh, to try and yeah. stop them? Right. So. The Pennywise character, though, exploits uh, fear and vulnerability and really kind of amplifies, again, it takes on that that notion of um, being somewhat amalgamous and taking on different forms and not having a really defined kind of presence and just reacting uh, similar to what Freddy Krueger kind of does, but Freddy does it more with environments rather than his presence. Whereas Pennywise will kind of represent whatever your fear is uh, in a a physical form. So he sort of modifies that a bit. Uh, The book's definitely different uh, from the the miniseries. And the book's definitely different from the two films that came out, um, you know, over the past few few years here. But I love the miniseries. I love the the way it's laid out. I love the way it's um, separated. I love the pacing. I love the cadence. And Tim Curry as Pennywise is fucking amazing. He does such a great job. Uh, His voice, the, uh, the expression, the makeup, it's all so good. And I love it. But if I had to pick a favorite, I guess like scene for him, not even taking somebody out because I don't think this is the moment that it happens. But the scene in the uh, locker room, I think it's with Eddie. Oh, yeah. And he takes the drain and, and makes the drain larger. That scene is so yeah. great. But yeah, it's incredibly well, well done. So all about it. I think the scene with um, the scene that I don't know, because uh, when did um, when did the miniseries come out? Like 1990, 1990? It was, yeah, it was 90. Yep. Okay, so I wasn't even born yet, but I remember 
at a really early age seeing certain scenes from that movie and then just like tr- the movie just like traumatizing me yeah. like the locker room scene is one i can think of uh the scene with beverly in the bathroom where the blood comes oh, out dude. of the drain Mm-mm. and then the yeah. the whole scene the the scene where beverly's an adult and she goes back to the house and she's talking to that woman yeah and just then you like realize like she gets chased out of the house and you realize that the house has been abandoned for like however many years i don't know why but that scene always creeps me out there's just something weird about that that would have to be probably my favorite scene is the one where grown-up beverly goes to that house again just something creepy about it yeah and tommy lee wallace directed this who also did halloween 3 so very good director yeah Halloween 3 is also great. So, oh, and a fun fact, I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, the girl that's at the beginning, the very first girl that gets killed on the little bicycle. Yeah. uh, She's the one that um, is in Final Destination 3 that dies in the tanning bed. She's the blonde girl. Really? I had no idea. That was like one of her first roles, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Super young in this. Fun little fact. (laughs) I was was like, I was watching that um, a number of years back and I was like, is that her? And I looked it up and I was like, yeah, that is her. Cause it kind of, really? it still kind of looks like her. And I was like, is that? And then I, yeah, I checked her IMDb and <laughs> cool. sure enough, she's in the mini series. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's her. Damn. Um, question for you, John. Yeah. Do you like Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise better? Or do you like, um, I can't think of his name right now. Scar's uh, guard. Bill yeah. Skarsgård's portrayal better. Uh, I like Tim Curry's. I mean, I I didn't dislike the first installment of uh, of it by any means, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm Tim Curry all the way. Nice. I'd you? have to say I don't know. I'd have to say I like Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. I don't know why. I just. I mean, he, he there's does just a great something job. about his nuances that he like his new. Uh, fresh takes that he brings to the character that I really like. I also really like the makeup effects, the way they made him look in the the yeah. uh remake. I don't know. I just think he brings a lot. I th- I like a, I think they're both fantastic in their own ways, but I think for some reason Bill Skarsgård's version of it resonates more with me. But mm. that's just maybe because I didn't watch the the mini series when I was younger. I didn't watch it up in, like until years later. I didn't watch it all the way through, so I don't know. I guess Dude. for me I I remember distinctly it was probably uh, probably somewhere mid nineties I don't know but I was sitting in my my aunt's house and like they had this big lazy boy like recliner chair and I remember her taking me to the video store and like coming home with a stack of VHSs and her like explaining stuff to me like okay well there's this clown and I I had not read the book by that point in time um, I'd read Carrie really young like it was first book i read of his uh, yeah. so i kind of knew what he was all about and i knew it was going to be mean but uh yeah dude i just was so fixated on the the original and in listening again through the book even today i was like out cutting the grass and i don't know if you guys have read it but it's it's mean like it's just mean spirited and um there's so much Stephen King, There's a lot of dark stuff in it. Yeah, he he has the ability to really take a story and 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 have it be 
very serious and very scary because the, these like supernatural entities exist, but these um, introductions of like these really disgusting human traits that certain human beings have are equally as terrifying as what's happening. And I think that's that's such a part of this story of the it story is um, that we as humans have a lot of darkness and a lot of things to deal with and cope with and and manage and and yeah, just. The, the story really does that and it's it's yeah. very upsetting it's very upsetting yeah and pennywise pennywise is definitely the manifestation of all that like of all yeah. the evil that we can possess inside ourselves i think he is like the manifestation of that yep. in his form which is also it's also really scary i yep. think all the form, like all the different forms he can take yep uh, really scary yeah so that's a uh... That's what I went with. It's Pennywise. It's a great pick. Good one. It's a really good one. Swinging back to you, Michael, here for number three. All right. So my number three is a slasher character from a little, uh, little known home invasion film. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but it's called The Strangers. I just want to tell you something. What do you want to tell me? You are my girl. I love you, Jimmy. What is that? It's okay, there's nothing here. I haven't heard a dog bark or a car pass. Nothing. from 2008 um i picked dollface specifically like i feel like you could pick any of the three but for me i chose dollface just because to me personally she's the most terrifying one of them all i feel like she's the ringleader like she's the one that like people people could say that the man in the mask is the one that's in charge i don't think so i think she's the one that's in charge but basically for people who don't know Uh, what the strangers is it's a home invasion film from 2008 and it's about a couple that's at this like secluded house in the middle of nowhere and these three masked assailants basically break in and terrorize them um and i mean it's a it's a pretty basic it's a pretty basic run-of-the-mill slasher film or i wouldn't even call it a slasher film the the second one's more of a slasher film but yeah um i think the reason why i picked dollface is because for me um And we talked about this earlier, I think, when I was talking about like personality, you don't get a lot of personality when it comes to um, slasher villains. You know, you kind of just get like Michael Myers doesn't say anything. I mean, you get a lot of personality from Freddy Krueger with like his one liners and stuff. But like Jason and and Michael, they don't really say a whole lot. So with them, you don't get. But with her, she doesn't say a whole lot either. But the things that she says, you get basically everything you need to know about her is that she is just just does not care she's there to kill people because she wants to like that's what's terrifying about her to me her mask is also really fantastic super memorable i actually have her mask somewhere in my room um 
but just the character in itself, her motives for doing what she did is just because the, the people were there and she wanted to do it. And that to me is like so scary. Like as far as motive goes, like, I feel like a lot of people expect like, Oh, that has to be like this huge grand motive. But for her, it's just, Nope, you were just home. And I felt like coming in and killing you. And that's all it is. And that's just, to me, that's just what makes her so terrifying. And like, like I said, the small amounts of dialogue that she does have are just so chilling, like throughout the whole, at least the first film, like it's really, really terrifying. Like some of the stuff that she says. Um, I also think she's really, she's really clever. Um, Like I could say this about all three of them, like the way that they go about doing this, they have like, and you can tell that this isn't the first time that they've done it before too. So I guess you could say that she is a slasher villain because she's done this multiple times, but it's just the way they go about doing things like systematically, like taking away their resources so they can't um, get help from the outside world is just so scary to me that they know exactly what they're doing. Um, And so, yeah, I'd have to say Dollface from The Strangers is my number three because she's just terrifying to me. Nice. That's an interesting uh, perspective because when I saw that you were picking Dollface, I was like, why Dollface over the other two, you know? So glad to hear. Yeah, because I just feel like she she really i mean the man in the mask is kind of scary and of course like the pinup girl is scary too but you don't see much of the pinup girl it's mostly mostly either the man in the mask or dollface but i feel like dollface is the one that kind of initiates everything she's the one that knocks on the door she's the one that initiates with whoever she's going to you know target the other ones don't really say anything she's the only one that talks so to me, I feel like she's the one that's kind of like, okay, we're going to pick this house. We're going to, these two, these are the people we're going after. I just feel like she's the one that kind of initiates everything. Yeah. And you can really, it's it's fun to think about where these characters come from. Because sometimes, sometimes I, I create little backstories for characters. And for her, like, I'm like, what if she had gotten this little ragtag group of people together to go kill people i don't know it's just a fun it's like a fun thing to think about and i feel like her character has a lot a lot more that um a lot more than meets the eye i think is the best way to put it i think she's a lot has a lot more personality than we think she does and i think like i said with just like the small bits of dialogue and interaction that you get with her you get a lot from just the small little uh nuances so yeah Yeah, nice i love that i love that perspective Good pick. Yeah. And yeah, this movie okay. is a, uh, it's terrifying. We've uh, talked yeah. about this one quite a few times and big fans of this film and, uh, never thought of Dollface in that light. But now that you say all that, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to watch this movie again, quite honestly. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun perspective once you see it in a different like outlook, it's fun to watch the yeah. movie and be like, Oh yeah, there's more to her than meets the eye so yeah for sure yeah and her voice is terrifying too like the way she talks is scary too Mm. tis tamra home (laughs) get up when she's like you're gonna die it's so creepy one night there was a uh kid i think like ding dong ditching or whatever uh, at our house and someone rang our doorbell in the middle of the night and my i looked at my wife i was like what do you want to do about this and then she quietly muttered (laughs) is tamra home and i was like oh my god you're like, we are not answering that door. Going to sleep in the <laughs> attic with a rifle. Yeah. Uh, uh, pick. But yeah. Jamie, number three, buddy. All right. So my number three is a serial killer. 
that uh, was released. I don't know if he escaped. I'm assuming he escaped from prison. Uh, this movie takes place in uh, 1982. John dressed as this uh, guy for Halloween. This is Russ Thorne from uh, Slumber Party Massacre. The basketball team is planning a party. A slumber party. The party begins at 8 o'clock. Love it, too. Do you think I'm getting better? But be on the lookout. Uh, so I'm, I'm revving my drill. This guy. Yeah, right now. Yeah. On the video. Yeah, this killer has no real motive except for uh, penetrating unsuspecting women with his drill. Yeah. Um, and he does that 11 times throughout this movie. Uh, some men get in the way, but uh this is a guy that it really is so like has no fear or anything about just like exposing who he is he's the only killer that i have on my list that doesn't wear a mask or have any way of covering his face necessarily uh this is a guy who just doesn't give a shit like i'm here i'm gonna kill you uh uh, i'm gonna penetrate you with my drill and you're gonna love it and i'm gonna love it and uh he's He's not even as scary as he is. Just like he, he, I know that a lot of people refer to him as like a punk rock killer because he's just like doesn't give a shit. Uh, he's not afraid to expose his face, and I find that to be really scary. You know, like someone who is just fearless and doesn't care if they go to jail. They're just out to uh, achieve their mission, which is killing as many girls uh, as possible. And I just love this movie in general. It's a great one. He is the dude. Like if you played football with him and went and took a shower. Be he'd be like, yeah, I got a dick. Why? <laughs> yeah, no, I got one. Why are you asking? Who's yeah. asking? You'd be like, all right, dude. I just actually, can you hand me my towel, please? Like that's all I was asking. Yeah, he I'll would, rub his dick on your towel yeah. before he hands it to oh, you. Oh God, I penetrated everything. It's like, all right, uh, just get away. Just get away from us, you fucking weirdo. But yeah, and I, I do. I love the the new version of this film that just came out a couple of years oh, ago, yeah. right? Our buddy Me Michael too. Potter's in it. We had the cast. Yeah, we have on. a connection to it as well. I'm friends with him as well. Yeah. Potter, yeah. Have you talked with him? I have. Yeah, um, dude. He's a great dude. I don't know. If, I don't know if I talked to him the same around the same time you guys did, but yeah, uh, I actually video chatted with him a few weeks ago. So really nice. Yeah, dude. I have a script that I've been working on that I have him in mind for. Uh, I, it's like one of the oh, amazing. We love so. talking with him. We He's so when cool. did we meet him? Like, it's probably been like three years now. I mean, it's been a minute. Um, yeah. He was in a movie called Triggered. Uh, yeah, back in whatever twenty nineteen, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we uh, we met him through through that, and then he was like, "Hey, I'm in the new Slumber Party Massacre. Like, do you want me to bring the cast on?" So we did. A, uh, fun interview with a few of them, and yeah, he's just—he's a great dude. Great, yes, he he's really fun. Yeah, um, yeah, I have uh, I have plans to get him on for Summer Party Massacre too, but it's just his schedule is so crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's hard. It's so hard to schedule with time. Yeah, like with try time, to find time yeah. with him. Yeah, it's hard because they're he's in you know South Africa, and we yeah I think we interviewed him at like eight a.m. our time or something like that. Oof, damn. Yeah, so early. <laughs> Yeah. Kids get up. We don't even feel. It's like you're just numb. Oh, you're tired. <laughs> Kids don't give a shit. Get the get the chocolate milk going here. Get the Cheerios. Yeah. Exactly. 
how it goes. All, All right, right, John. Number three, buddy. Good pick there, James. Very good pick. Yes. All right. So I'm heading forward in time to the mid 2000s. Okay. So in true slasher nature, I thought 2006, just graduated high school, heading into college. And you're thinking, where have all the slashers gone, right? What's happening? Where are the icons? Well, Adam Green said, I got one for you. And his name is Victor Crowley in the film Hatchet. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Victor Crowley. Folks weren't too kind of Victor. So he stayed hidden in his daddy's house, out in the bayou. One night, some mean children came. <laughs> Great choice. Yeah. This so, goddamn Victor Crowley. Dude. <laughs> uh, so, a group of the tourists. The most insane head movements you've ever seen. <laughs> Thank God. Head, that, uh, talk about wigs. We were talking about wigs prior to, <laughs> prior to getting all this thing. That wig is basically like, hey, uh, Crypt Keeper, are you done with that? Great. Let me sew that onto my... He's like, ah. <laughs> But, uh... This is about a group of tourists in New Orleans who pretty much go on this like haunted swamp tour and then they find themselves stranded pretty much out in the in the swamp wilderness and their <laughs> evening of fun is really really hampered by uh someone who has al- alternative plans in the form of Victor Crowley. So Victor Crowley is is played by uh none other than Kane Hodder who also played Jason Voorhees in multiple Friday 13th films. Uh, Kane Hodder's been in a zillion different things. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just such a... Uh, he's a legend. Yeah, legendary presence. There's no no other way to put it. It's a great way to describe it. But Hatchet comes out, like I said, mid-2000s, uh, and it really came out with a bold... The tagline for the film was like... Uh, what was it? Like old-fashioned... Old school American horror was the tagline, right? So it comes out and you're like, all right, well, fuck, like you're putting a stake in the ground. You're being uh, Russ Thorne here about this and really saying, I'm going to penetrate you with this concept, like old school, old school American horror. Like I have a very deliberate intention here. So as the viewer, you know, you kind of feel vulnerable, like, all right, I'm being told, you know, here we go. Let's get let's get going on this. So the film definitely has its like self awareness to it. Um, it's super comedic. It's not too serious, but it also throws back. It's got a bunch of um, you know Tony Todd is in the intro. Uh, I think the very opening sequence has um, Robert England in it. Right, he's the one in the boat. So mm-hmm. you have oh, your, yeah. It's yeah. almost like you have your. Um, your nod to this, like, hey, I'm I'm gonna pass the baton. This has authority because we're we're justifying it by having these other individuals that have been in such prominent films and in your life as the viewer. And you head into it, and you're like, okay, we're heading to a new genre of slasher, and that's what they really did with this character in this franchise. They they made it a thing where it was like, hey, yeah. we've got another Freddy esque kind of uh, uh, presence going on here. For me. Um, I really only like the first one. I I'm not into uh any of the others all that much. I have spent a lot of time with the original. 
and I feel like it's a lot of fun. I don't, I wouldn't say it's like a, a top 50 film of mine, but it's, I, I watch it once a year. It's a fun, fun ride. And I think in the essence of this theme that we're talking about here, like this, this film was truly the attempt for, I think our generation and for a new generation of horror watchers to say like, Hey, here's your new Freddy. Here's your new, here's your new uh, Jason kind of iconic character. And I think that it did that for a lot of people. Um, I just didn't happen to be one of them, but I, I recognize and I understand uh, the attempt there. So I feel like it would be important to bring it up. Yeah. Nice. I think that's a great pick. Yeah. I, yeah. And he's, he's fucking brutal too. Like the way he kills people in that movie. Like the one that I think of like right off the bat is when he fucking splits the one yeah. lady's head apart. It's in insane. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, really mean. And it uses a, uh, you know, this we're talking mid two thousand, so this was like when CGI and horror started to become rampant and we talk all the time about like, cool, let's do another ghost film um with CGI ghosts in the background and jump scares. And this movie was like, No, no, no we're gonna show all, right? Like we're doing yep. practical effects and it's gonna be disgusting and it's gonna be really gnarly and mean and nasty. And it is like the kills are truly like just disgusting. And he as a character like is really unpleasant to look at and he's got this fucking overall song he's got this backstory and he just he looks absurd and jamie to your point like his movements are just alarming like i love jamie's interpretation of that (laughs) (laughs) these movies are over the top like gory and bloody like the second one in particular like i guess every movie they up the ante like with blood and gore but it's just like over the top, especially that second one. Yeah. So it's just like, oh my, like yeah. how much blood can you guys fucking have in this? God. I <laughs> know uh, I said 7,000, not 700 gallons, please. Yeah. Let's get that going here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Man. Yep. So that's what I'm going with here for my number three. Yeah. Good one, man. Like We're getting the heavy hitters. Yeah. We're not very, top very twos. good pick. Top twos. So, Michael. Number two for you. Okay, so this one is definitely not your conventional. I don't even think people would even have this on their list. Um, and I even <laughs> I even double checked to make sure that this counted as like a slasher villain. <laughs> but I did find like a top fifty underrated slasher villains list online, and this person was on it. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm using her then. Um, this is a character from a film from i believe 2009 i think it came out in 2009 but uh it's the character of esther from orphan oh shit we are seeing kids for the first time this weekend i'm ready to adopt adopting an older child is not an easy decision my name is esther and why aren't you down at the party i've never really seen the point of it i guess i'm different there's nothing wrong with being different you know this is an extraordinary little girl she's very mature for her age you seem to have made quite a connection. Is this your house? It's your home, too. You're just as much part of this family as Danny and Max. It's a pleasure to meet you. This is our new student, and I'd like you all to make her feel very welcome today. She this is, is an uh, interesting one. Yeah, she she's fucking brutal. I mean, you find I mean you find out. So basically, Orphan is about um a couple that adopts a girl. And uh, they bring her into her their home, and things start not going right. She's very weird. She uh, people are ended uh, turning up dead. Um, 
just a lot of weird stuff is going on now that she's around. Um, and then you find out there's like a twist. Should I should I reveal the twist? I think I have to in order to fully. Yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, everyone, if you haven't seen Orphan, you want to watch it. Pause here. Yeah. Skip ahead yeah. 30 seconds. Yes, because it's definitely a twist that I wish that I could uh, relive over and over again, kind of like in Fifty First Dates when she doesn't remember the twist of uh, The Sixth Sense. <laughs> I wish that was like, <laughs> I wish that was me when I watched this movie, because the first time I watched this movie, I was fucking blown away by this twist. But basically, they, they adopt this little girl. She starts killing people while she's living with them. Um, and like the way that she manipulate it's not just the way that she kills people but it's also the way that she manipulates the people in um vera farmiga's life uh that's the main character in this movie i don't remember her name in the movie but um the way she like manipulates everyone around her to turn against uh vera farmiga's character and not uh the orphan girl is terrifying to me like this I love watching this movie, but I also get equally as frustrated watching this movie, specifically with the husband character, because yeah. he's just like listening to everything that Esther says, and he wants nothing to do with what his own wife is saying. And that to me is just terrifying the fact that she can manipulate all these people into believing that she's like this like innocent, sweet, like little girl. When come to find out, here's the twist, guys. As John said, turn it off if you haven't watched it yet. But uh, she's actually a grown woman. She's like in her 40s. And she has uh, that condition called dwarfism. I think it's what it's called. I can't remember exactly what it is. But she looks younger than she is. And she's really been uh, manipulating all these families into taking her in. And when she doesn't get what she wants, which is seducing the father figure of the family, she basically murders the entire family. And so that to me is just terrifying that like someone that you feel like you can trust bringing them into your home, into your family, like they know everything about you is just so terrifying to me. And that's why the character of Esther is just so scary to me. Like she's, she's a little girl or a grown woman, however you want to see it. But it's just, she's just terrifying to me. Like she's brutal. She's uncaring. She will do whatever it takes to get what she wants. And that to me is a, like a staple in any slasher character and she's definitely in the top for me so yeah that's a good one man and that twist is something that uh you would you i don't even know that you could see it coming so that's a great one no thank you i can't i certainly didn't see it coming i was like what yeah the yep. fuck all right jamie getting down here man where are you heading all right yeah so my number two is one of my it's one of my favorite movies it's one of my favorite uh, slasher villains and it's the minor slash Harry Warden uh, from the movie My Bloody Valentine. It's a bad time this time of year. How many times is he going to tell this story? Oh, let him tell it. I love fairy tales. This ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool! <laughs> the first Valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special. It's a great pick. The original? Uh, so, both. I fucking, I love, uh, I mean, I always feel like for this topic, we're going to focus on the original. So that's yeah. what I'll do. 
but I feel like the kills are better in the second one. Um, they really, or in the, when I say the second one, I mean the remake, mm-hmm. the 09 remake. Uh, they really went above and beyond with that movie. Uh, they made the effects practical. Uh, they made them really inventive. And they're just gruesome, but also fucking great. They're not just, it's not just like, not that the kills in Hatchet aren't good, but it's like they're making these gory and over the top for over the top sake. And I don't feel like they're doing that in this movie. They make them where uh, they're doable and they're yeah. fucking realistic. And they, there might be a stretch in some of the way they're executed, but they're all fucking so well done. And the set pieces in that movie are great. But uh, for the first one, so they discover Harry Warden. Uh, he gets, <clears throat> he's a minor uh, in West Virginia. Uh, the movie takes place. It's filmed in Canada, but he's down there with five other minors. I believe it's five. Uh, they get, caved in slash buried alive uh the methane gas got too high the methane levels got too high caused an explosion buried them um the people that were supposed to be monitoring the methane levels were uh at the valentine's day dance and valentine's bluffs and they were having too much fun weren't monitoring the methane levels explosion happened cave-in happened uh harry warden survives by eating the eating the bodies of the uh other miners that passed away and when they finally dig harry out he's currently eating the other members so they sent him to a, a mental asylum uh which he escapes from and starts killing everybody to make sure that there is no valentine's day dance um from that point on this movie came out in 1981 um it's one of my most it's honestly, it's one of my just favorite movies. I, I love this movie to death. And uh, Harry Warden is a big reason. He's so scary. That fucking minor mask is just yeah, hearing yeah. the breath go. Uh, it's just so scary. And the minds, it's a setting that is just built for fucking fear and horror. It's really scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like that mask that he wears. I'm glad you brought that up because like those gas masks, even like the gas mask from like World War Two or whatever, like the the one where the ho- those are fucking yeah. so scary to me and that's a very similar mask so that's uh i totally agree there are also yeah, some great set acts. pieces in that movie too dude so good and the first one i think mainly the pickaxe is used but the second one they pretty much use everything except a pickaxe i know the pickaxe <laughs> is used uh, a couple times but they they really go out of their way to uh make sure that they incorporate other items as well but man both movies are so good. This is a hard one yeah. for me because typically it's easy for me to say, like, I love the original more, uh, but I really love that remake. I know it's kind of cheesy, but uh, I think if you're a fan of the first one, it's hard not to love that second one. Dude, I agree. I agree. And I, I just, I love the the environment, the friend group in this one. Um, I know we're here to talk mm-hmm. about, like, the actual, the slasher, the villain. Uh, that but- bar. That fucking bar with the moose head logger. It's it all plays into it, man. Like it all is part of the experience yeah. as like a viewer. And I, I feel like the friend group is as um important as the the person causing problems and friend group's awesome yeah. in this uh film and yeah. I'm all about this movie. Same. Uh, Jamie. Just I believe be it was on my um back when I first started this podcast, we did a uh we did the top 10 of our favorite <laughs> horror movies from each decade. And I think this was in, this was in my top 10 of the eighties. One of so good. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Early on too. Good choice. 81, right, Jamie? 81. Yes, yeah. sir. 
Well, I'm actually going to go to a similar selection from the same year. Very so cool. I'm going with the uh, Joseph Zito classic of a another masked problem child from uh, not from a mine, but from a war. So we've got a veteran who's pretty pissed in the film The Prowler. The night of the graduation dance. The war overseas had just ended. The terror at home Boy. was about to begin. Roy? Come on. Come on, kid. Don't play hard to get. What about New Year's Eve? That was different. I couldn't help myself. The Prowler. If he wants you. Great one. So, so good. Our, yeah, dude. Got our. If this, this is another one that, if it wasn't on your list, it would have been on mine. This was another film for us. I think was this a blind purchase because we didn't see this till way late mm. in life. This was probably past ten years we've seen this movie for the, for the first time, but yeah. Um, We've probably watched yeah. it five times a year since we found it, you know. Uh, and this okay. probably was one of those blind purchases. Yeah, man, so good. But it's about a an unknown killer. He's got his World War II kind of like army fatigue situation going on as his costume, and he stalks a. It takes place in Jersey, right? And mm-hmm. he goes to this town that's kind of determined to relive like a 35 year old double murder <laughs> uh and he's gonna focus on a group a group of college kids holding their graduation dance and it's all sort of centered around that and his weapon of choice is the pitchfork but he uses other other weapons as well so this was a tom savini extravaganza for for visual effects and savini's all over this the the practical effects in this are incredible. The the kills in this movie are insane. Honestly insane. They're so you, you you talk about hey, what you don't see is scary. This movie doesn't show what you don't see. It shows what you see. Every shows frame, everything. Every frame shows absolutely everything. <laughs> and it's it's all upfront and in clear focus. So this uh this movie from a slasher perspective though What's at stake in the ground is one of the greats, uh, and there are a ton of kills, really grisly, a lot of deaths, and uh, they're they're I don't want to say a lot of fun, but this movie's fun. You know, it's not too serious. You know, <laughs> like slasher films from the eighties are always fun. I know, like it's hard to talk about that. Like if someone at work heard you talk, like talking, I about know, this, it'd be like, oh, cool. Did you see that? Did you see that yeah. scene where he basically like? Yeah. eviscerated her with that pitchfork it was so fun that yeah. was so cool so <laughs> people are like all right ted bundy <laughs> his get up you know it it's i, I don't want to divulge who the killer is uh to be spoiler free so this is a whodunit and it's a character that you know that's the perpetrator which is kind of fun and kind of cool however yeah once you find out yeah. who it is you're like oh yeah yeah no that dude's fucked fucking uh he's mentally unhinged and you can tell I think that makes sense uh, yeah that uh that adds up uh based off of what i've seen to this yeah. point that makes some uh some good sense here but yeah this is a really good one 
a great so pick. That's my number two. And Very I don't know nice. how we got here, but we're at our number ones already. <laughs> Woo! All right, my number one is from a film that came out in two thousand one, and it uh, the Creeper from Deepers Creepers. I haven't seen a car in fifty miles. You know what I just thought of, right? Kenny and Darla. You believe that story? That they did go looking for her head. They only found the car. They never found her head. What's he doing? The hell is that? He dumped something down that pipe. Wrapped in a sheet. Is this your idea of a little adventure? I'm just gonna look. Hello. You know the part. He's my number one because I think for me, he was uh, before, because I was really young. I was eight years old when this movie came out. So I hadn't really fully been introduced to horror yet, but this was like one of the first like horror films, or I guess you could say with like a super prominent horror villain. And I remember watching this on TV. My parents were gone. I don't remember where they had gone. I think they were across the street because at the time we had lived across the street from my grandparents. So my parents were over at their house and I was at home alone and this movie was on the TV. So I put it on. It scared it scared me so bad that when my parents came home, I was hiding under my bed and would not come out because I was so scared. This movie fucking traumatized me when I was a kid. Um, and it has a lot to do with the character of the creeper. Um He's just, I love how in the first one, I, I could, I guess you could say the first one isn't as much of a slasher film. The second one definitely delves more into slasher territory because you get those over the top ridiculous kills in the second movie. But the first one's just more simple. Um, you don't know a whole lot about him at the beginning, but you get the little bits of um, information that you get throughout the movie, the more you learn about him and like what he does Um it just gets more and more unnerving and terrifying the more the movie goes on. And I know a lot of people. So basically it's about a, uh, a brother and a sister. They're traveling cross country. They run into this guy that they see throwing what looks like bodies down this pipe by this church. So they go investigate the pipe and scary part of that movie, by the way, Jamie and I talk about this all the time. Like imagine driving down a country road looking left and seeing this like oversized thing throwing a bloody wound up rug looking item into a a drain like dude fuck that i'm out (laughs) like well and the fact that makes it even more scary is the fact that that was based on like an unsolved mysteries episode like that whole opening part with like the truck and the the pipe that was actually something that really did happen to like an older couple. I think they were driving along a country road. They saw someone throwing something down a pipe and then whoever it was, was chasing them and like trying to run them off the road. So that whole like opening scene is based off of something that actually did happen to somebody, which is terrifying. (laughs) That makes it even more scary. Oh my God. Yeah. So then, then it turns out they go to the, you know, they go to the church, they investigate, they find all these bodies in this basement of this church. And you find out that like this thing, you never really know what it is and never explains it, but it's this creature that basically hunts down people by smelling their fear. And if they like what they, if he likes what he smells, he basically takes something from them like an organ or something to rejuvenate himself. Like he basically builds his whole body 
like his whole form is built off of other people's body parts, which is really disturbing and gross when you find that out later. Like you don't know that at the off the bat, but like the more you watch this, the more this movie goes on, the more you find out about this very upsetting thing. concept. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really gross. Well, and I I also want to say that I know this is a very controversial pick because I know that the director of this movie is a registered, you know, S uh S E. So Yeah. Offen- oh, S-O, sorry. S- I can spell today. It's fine. Um, he's a registered S-O, and yeah. I think people know what that means. I won't say it on the podcast, but it's he, like he's gross. He's disgusting. But I try to I try to put aside because I, I feel like other people made efforts on this film. Other people worked hard on this film, so I don't want to disregard other people because of him. So I'm just going to focus on the character of you know, obviously the creep, which is just, he's so terrifying. Jonathan Breck, I think plays him if I'm not mistaken. And uh, once you get to the reveal at the end that he's this, like he flies, he's like this creature that can fly. There's like this terrifying scene where there's like this holdup at the police station where he um, has Justin long and his whole fucking face just opens up. And like the look of him is terrifying. The, the, the practical effects on in this movie for the most part are really good specifically for the creeper. Um, but I just think it's scary how he can continue to like rejuvenate his body by eating things from other people. That's just like really creepy and gross and terrifying concept. Um, and yeah, that's why he's my number one, just because he's just, once he knows what he wants, kind of similar to what I said about the entity from it follows, he'll never stop following you until he gets it. So I just think that's really terrifying. And then you get that you get that really iconic end scene where you find out that he basically took uh, Justin Long's eyes and replaced them so that he could have them, which is just ugh, gross. Yeah, that that shot is so good too. Yeah, on that reveal. Ugh, but yeah, that's my number one. I'd have to say the creeper, just because there's so, and you learn you learn uh, so many more things about his abilities in the second movie, like about like what he can what he can really do. Um, but I, I, I prefer him in the first one just because you get that buildup of like, you think this is a man at first, like you think this is some kind of man. And then the more you watch it, you're like, that's not a man. That's like some fucking creature. And I just like the whole like setup from start to finish of what this thing is and not even really knowing towards the end, what, where it came from or what it is. So I just think that's really scary. The simplicity of it, I think is what's terrifying about him. Super yeah, and scary. I feel like that's why the sequels weren't as scary is because a part of what made that movie so scary was learning that he's not human, you know, yeah. uh, seeing the wings and learning shit like that. And the whole time you're like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the, the second one jumps right in. Those sequels weren't very good to me. At all. The third one is just god awful, in my opinion. Uh, but that first one yeah. is still scary as shit. And uh, it's one of those movies where uh, we were talking about you know, like Top Gun earlier. And it, I always, it, there's always the scene where Goose dies, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> but like, you, you know, you're you're thinking to yourself the whole time, like every time you rewatch it, like, oh, just maybe don't go up this time, you know? Yeah. And it's like to Justin Long, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, just don't go fucking back, dude. Just don't do it. Yeah. Uh, but he does. And it's just like, what the fuck? Why would you volunteer yourself to go down there? Right. You would have been fine if you would have just kept driving. Just yeah. keep driving. Well, and I also like how they make it. Um, They intentionally make it as if the female character, Trish, is going to be the one that he targets because she says yeah. things at the beginning of the movie 
when they're talking about the the couple that disappeared back in 78 and she's talking about like ever since i heard that story i used to think this was the highway i would die on so i like how they set it up mm. as if she's gonna be the one that the uh that the main villain decides to take but then it's the actually the brother which i think is a really interesting twist all right man very good jamie you're number one buddy all right Number one, I couldn't pick any other number one. Uh, as I said, today is 4th of July. So my number one pick is Ben Willis, uh, otherwise known as The Fisherman, from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Brian Grill are making out, right? When they hear over the radio that this lunatic killer's escaped from an insane asylum. That's not the way it goes. The boy goes for help, and the girl stays in the car, and she hears this... Like scratching sound. No, he's been decapitated. No, he was gutted with a hook. Oh my gosh. I think he's dead. We can't just leave him here. Oh, tell me, little Miss Prelaw, what's the charge for manslaughter? We make a pact. Right here and now we take the sorry grave. I thought you were going to say the shark from Jaws. I, Bruce? I actually thought about that one, but I didn't. So we're going to go with uh, Ben Willis, who yeah. um, there's a bit of a backstory that you learned from the second one. Uh, uh, but he's a man who was unsus- unsuspectingly run over by a group of teens. Uh, Julie and her friends, Julie James and her friends, Ray Bronson, Barry William Cox and uh, Helen Shivers. And... Uh, a night of fun ends in tragedy as they run over a uh, man who turns out to be Ben Willis. And uh turns out that he's coming down from murdering someone else. But unbeknownst to us, he's just an unwitting citizen who was run over. Uh, the kids decide to cover it up instead of going to the police. He survives the ordeal and uh, as an act of revenge goes to kill, pick everyone off one by one. Um he wears this really scary fucking uh, fisherman's, uh, what do they call it, John? Like a slicker. Slicker, yes. And he's got the super high collar. So it's not a mask per se, but, it, you know, it covers his face. Uh, you can see a little stubble every now and then, yeah. but uh, not enough to give away who it is. And you wouldn't know who the fuck it was anyways, because <laughs> we don't know what Ben Willis looks like. But I find this guy to just be so scary. Just the hook itself is so scary. Um, I love the first one. When um, I love the the very first kill with Max when he impels him through his jaw, and then the second one, very similar to my my bloody Valentine. The second one, I don't know that he kills anyone with his hook except for his son. Um, everyone else is killed with different shit that's just around, and yeah. um, because he's because he loses his hand in the first movie, the second movie is uh, like Bruce Campbellish where his hand <laughs> is a hook. Yeah. Um, so I, I love both movies. So John and I just, we don't care what anyone says. We still love, I still um, know what you did last summer. And I kind of like the way they tied in the lore uh, that Ben Willis actually, it turns out that he worked at the uh, Tower Bay Motel in the Bahamas or whatever it's called. Um, supposedly you learn uh, from Estes that he killed his family in one of the hotel rooms because, uh, or killed his wife and chopped her up into pieces because she was uh cheating on him and um so yeah there's a hell of a backstory that you get into and um i just find him to be so i find that hook and just that like slicker to be so scary 
And Helen is one of our favorite characters of all time. She gets killed in just a tragic way. And very similar to the trick-or-treat kill. uh, Or the trick-or-treat kill is very similar to this where you're so close to safety with this huge parade. And there's so many people. But you're also just so isolated because nobody's paying attention. And nobody can hear you scream because there's too much noise going on. All right. I'm going to bring us home with uh, a film that I feel like kind of started this whole thing. So... A little bit of a daunting pick, but I'm going to go with Cherry Falls. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Were you nervous that I was actually going to I pick do, Cherry Falls? I do like that movie. Though. <laughs> I love that. I had thought about it. I thought about using it. <laughs> no, I'm not Just going to say, that's Falls. a great movie. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Jay Moore, you're runner up, buddy. All right. I'm actually going to go to 1960 with the film Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. Here we have a quiet little motel. When in fact, it has now become known as the scene of the crime. Can you have a vacancy? Oh, we have 12 vacancies. You know, this is the first place that looks like it's hiding from the world. I think that... Nice. Yeah, so this is one of uh, one of the pioneers of the genre, for sure. The subgenre of slasher. So we're going to go with the character of Anthony Perkins uh, that Anthony Perkins portrayed in Norman Bates. Norman Bates was the, um, the, the steward of the motel that his family owned and his mother uh, or who you thought was his mother, you know, ailing up in the, the house up the hill and in tandem while he's running this motel, you have a, a secretary in Phoenix who embezzles a whopping, life-changing amount of $40,000 from her employer, right? Heads out, goes on the run, goes into this remote motel that's being run by our purveyor here in the form of Norman Bates. So what I thought was interesting about this pick is uh, the traditional picks are going to have the whodunit piece of someone wearing a mask, someone who's stalking, someone who's using a variety of different instruments to wreak havoc and you got to figure out who's uh who's causing problems right you're literally staring the killer in the face the entire film uh but you don't exactly know it so we have norman bates who um offs quite a few characters throughout the course of the film and they're done in a a variety of capacities but the characters that kind of weave throughout the the course of the story all come to the home base which is the motel uh, and you're trying to figure out, like, what's going on here. You think it's the mother, and they pull a little bit of a double switch on you. Uh, Hitchcock does in, in the big reveal at the end, which I think is the most impactful and poignant part of the story, which makes it feel like, oh, my God, like, he was this level of insane, this level of crazy. So I kind of feel like this is sort of the birth, uh, one of the birth birthing mechanisms of the whole slasher genre. Great pick, buddy. Very classic. I love it. Yeah. Had to go classic. Had to. And I like the, I really do like the character of Norman Bates because he's, he's got so much uh, depth and personality that you find out throughout the movie. Like he's got, you know, and I feel like he, he's very Ted Bundy ish. Yeah. Like the, his, oh, the, yeah. the way uh, he has the, this charm and charisma and you feel bad this, for him too. Yeah. Yeah, and he's able to use that to his advantage kind of thing, which is also makes him 
even that more scary, I feel like. Do you guys want to oh, yeah. get some honorable mentions real quick before we wrap? Yeah. Would you guys Do you list? want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Well, my honorable mentions list is pretty short because Jamie mentioned two out of the four that I have on here. So he mentioned Ben Willis and he mentioned uh, uh, the guy from Valentine, uh, Jeffrey. What is it? Who is it? Jeremy Melton. Sorry. I had to think for a second. Um, But my other two are obviously uh, so this this one would have been my number one. But we but uh, I think we'd all agree that it would be best to leave like the main slasher villains off just because it would make the list more fun. So. Um, Michael Myers obviously is yeah. like he's he's uh he's my main like he's my favorite. Um, I think he's obviously of all the slasher villains, I think he's the most terrifying. Uh, specifically in the original Halloween, I just think his presence is just terrifying. That mask is really scary, and the fact that they just found like a <laughs> a fucking uh, I forget what his name is, the one from Star Trek, but they found that uh, ca- the Kirk mask, the fact that they made that mask into what it is now is just so iconic to me. He's such an iconic character. Um, he doesn't even have to say anything to be terrifying. It's just like the way he stands in the shadows and the way they make him look just so scary. Um, his motive is really scary. The fact that he doesn't really even have one, he just kills because he's pure evil incarnated. I think that's really scary. Um, and then I do have Ghostface on here, but I'm going to go with my favorite portrayal of Ghostface, which is obviously Jill from Scream 4. So, and we talked about that in the uh, <laughs> in our Scream yeah. uh, ranking moments episode. Uh, so we don't have to get into that. But I do, I do love Jill. I think she's obviously, in my opinion, the most psychotic one out of all of them because she's willing to do whatever it takes to become famous from this. Yeah. You know. Uh, so and she's the closest one out of everybody to actually almost kill Sydney. So, I mean that's a feat in itself because Sydney Prescott is a bad bitch. So yeah. <laughs> the fact that yep. she got that close to actually doing it is insane. So yeah, those those are my those are my four honorable mentions. So Jamie, what about you, man? Um, all right, so I have a couple. Um, uh, Billy from Black Christmas. Oh, was on my list. Yeah, he's on my list too. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, the baby from Happy Death Day. That baby mask is just. It, it's similar to the cherub from uh, Valentine. It's just like something that's supposed to be disarming is just so alarming and scary. Uh, and then I couldn't. And then I was very torn on. Uh, I almost picked both of these movies, but uh, Cropsy from The Burning. And Angela from uh, yeah. uh, Sleepaway Camp. Angela was originally on my list, and then um, I took her off. But yeah, she was up there. Yeah, I felt like there was too much uh, <clears throat> subtext and stuff that I didn't feel like getting getting into. So yeah. All right. Well, this was amazing. So Michael, thank you for joining us, man. And we'll have to have you back on. But uh, again, before we wrap. Uh, just reiterate where people can find you uh, now that they've had a chance to listen to how awesome you are and what great taste Aww. you have in films. Thank you guys. You guys are too sweet. Um, No, but thank you for having me on. This was so much fun. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed when you guys were on mine and I enjoyed coming on yours. So I cannot wait to get you guys on mine again and vice versa. So um, you can find me at the, we love horror podcast. Uh, 
on Instagram, we love horror podcasts. If you search that up, you should be able to find me. Uh, I do have merch on Patreon. Uh, I have a couple of new designs coming out very soon. And um, yeah, uh, you can find me on TikTok as well. Just look up the We Love Horror podcast, I believe. I think it's the same thing. Um, I'm on TikTok and uh, you can also follow me on Patreon if you would like to subscribe to extra content. So, and uh, also feel free to leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Same to the horror dads because they're fucking amazing. So. Well, thank you, man. We appreciate it. This was a, this was a blast. It was an honor. So we'll do this again sometime soon. Yes. uh, We'll catch you next time, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye, Bye, buddy.